Hey, good morning, Rock Bible Church. Good to see you this morning. We are going to start a new book, as is our tradition. We're starting a book of Philippians this morning. Um, So you can look up. We'll be up on the screen, as always. Um, You people at home, you have an advantage, obviously. Um, Or if you got a Bible, uh, you can get one in the back. But uh, welcome, Rock Bible Church. We're a Christ-centered, biblically-based, compelling, casual community. And we're compelling ourselves and others to Christ in casual ways that welcome all to worship, be in a community that serves the greater community. Amen? I've had uh, some people that watch online, they say, you you have your hands in your pockets. Like, what's that about? Stand on stage with your hands in your pockets. I said, in casual ways, okay? In casual ways. Get it right. Um, We're trying to do the gospel the best we can. Amen? Amen. Uh, we know that uh, through Scripture and many other ways is how we do it, and that's why we join on Sunday mornings. So glad you're here or with us online. Uh, let's pray, and then we're going to jump into uh, chapter 1, verse 1 of Philippians. Lord, thanks for this morning. Thanks for uh, really what we got to do last Sunday night, the celebration and everybody outside under the tents and uh, honoring what you've done, really. Uh, thanks for all the people that have been involved in uh, pulled weight, but Lord thinks that we can bank on you uh, to be responsible for it, get credit for it, uh, and then let us be on the team. And so we thank you for that. Pray that you would rec- help us recognize what is our role. If we're part of it and you're letting us participate, then show us how to do that. And I pray this morning, Lord, as we get into your word, that that'll help us. It'll show us some things and maybe walk out of here a little bit better, a little more on track, maybe encouraged to follow you and, and do it in our daily lives. So we pray this in your son Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Uh, Philippians, not written by the Philippians, written to the Philippians by Paul He's our, uh, who's our major author in the New Testament, 13 books uh, of the 27 were written by him, so just almost half, right? If he could have just wrote one more book, I mean, come on, Paul. Uh, but this is one of the, the uh, 13, and uh, he, most of them are letters to areas or churches or people. Um, they weren't study notes, they weren't like theological pieces originally, as much as they were meant to be a communication to people. Now, they're chock full of theology, amen? Yeah, and that's why we study them to this day. That's why early church leaders decided to canonize these letters and include them in Scripture. Um, If you think about it, what a compliment and how strong must they be to say we're going to add them to the the First Testament, the Pentateuch and the Torah and everything that was really considered law. I said, this is as we're going to put it in there as well. Uh, So we're going to take a look at what Paul uh, has to write to a certain church in a certain area. What's the challenge for us? We're we're challenged with deciding, does it apply to us? Or is it really just good to know the story about what they did and what he thought they should do? Uh, The challenge is really how do we turn the they into us? when we read things like this. So uh, let's get going, and let's, uh, we're going to get 14 verses in this morning. Uh, Paul and Timothy, Timothy was 
Paul's helper, Paul's the writer, probably Timothy's actually doing the writing and Paul's dictating. That's how many of his letters uh, happened. Uh, servants of who? All right, so we, he's clear on, on purpose. But then watch this. He says, to all the saints in Christ Jesus. Apparently they had a bunch of saints in, in Philippi, right? Who are at Philippi. Did, did we get cheated? Because if they had a bunch of saints, I'm, one of my first questions is, where's ours? Where's our saints? Right? You know the answer to this? Let's find it right here. He says, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, and then watch this, with the overseers and deacons. Ooh. So the overseers and the deacons, they're apparently saints because it's with them, right? And those are the ones that we generally would say at a church, do they have holy people? Right? Oh, that's, that's above my pray grade. I'm going to have to let the pastor do that. Right? Oh, the worship leader or the lead elder, someone like, you know, we sometimes people think like that, right? Paul think like that? What did he just what did he just do to them? To all the saints who are with the overseers and the deacons. He assumes the overseers and deacons are saints, and what did he just do to everybody else in the congregation at Philippi? He just sainted them. I hope he did the thing with the sword over the Oh, no, that's knighting. I don't care. When we say somebody, I think we should do the sword thing on both shoulders, right? Um, what's that say about you? You're a saint? Oh, but maybe you're not old enough. Or maybe you're too old. Or maybe you're uh, lacking some education. Or you're highly educated in something else. Or, I mean, both genders? Do they both count? Who's... Who's included in all the saints? Right? And I, I know that I beat this like a dead horse regularly, but we tend to pay attention, a lot of attention, to the really big words in Scripture. And, I, and I'm, I'm trying to make the argument over the course of my career in life that the really, really small words are as valuable, if not more. All the saints. Uh, congratulations. Welcome to your sainthood. Now, let's work on your job description. Ready? Here we go. Uh, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Very nice of them. What's grace? What's being asked for the new saints? Grace and peace, right? So, you know, want grace? Is it a lady? Or do they, he's hoping that some lady named Grace visits them. No, what does he want for the saints? What's Grace? Forgiveness, freedom, peace. It's kind of a cool word because it takes a lot of other ones to describe it. As a saint, are you to be graceful? Gracious, be graced. Interesting. Let's add that to the job description first. How about that? Uh, number uh, Verse three, and thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy. He's praying for him regularly. You remember in other people. 
I think that that's saintly to be praying and remembering other people uh, with joy too. Uh, you don't pray grumbling. That's not. It doesn't go well. God, if you just would take care of that one person, I really don't like them. Right? I mean, if you do it though, you should sound southern when you do it. It always sounds better with a southern accent. This is southern perverse, by the way. Right? In every prayer of mine for y'all. You thought the Southerners made that up. No, they took it right out of Scripture. Amen. Uh, Verse 5, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day till now. From your partnership in the gospel. Can we go back to that last slide for a second, the beginning of verse 5? Look at this. Because of your partnership in what? The gospel. Hmm. So you're in a partnership that's in your job description. And it's gospel. What's, what's the gospel? We're at church, and if we need to get this one right, okay, folks? Pressure's on. The good news, right? The gospel, that's what it means, good news. It's the cross. It's Jesus' life, death, resurrection, his solution of sin, his offering of forgiveness, his uh, establishing of his position, title, authority, uh, ascending to the right hand of the Father. Who did all that? Now, Heitzman's not here. He did text me this morning and said, make sure that your phone's not on. Thanks, Mark. Uh, What would Mark say? Who did all of the gospel? Jesus, right? Jesus did it all. In fact, there's a song, right? Anybody? Jesus paid it all. All to. Let's stop now, right? Okay, one, we want to keep Bryce employed, and I don't want you to leave. If he did it all, how's it a partnership? Because now I'm confused. He says, in this partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Wait a minute. I thought the gospel was all Jesus. Jesus did it all. He's the one that said, it is finished. How's it a partnership then? It's kind of interesting. Folks, my challenge to you, read the Bible with your brain. With your eyes open, ears open. I went to church for way too many years as a kid, having them tell me stories and thinking their summarized version from their perspective was the gospel truth. I didn't, I didn't realize there were more than two animals of every kind on the ark. I didn't realize it was more than 40 days and 40 nights that they were on that thing. There are all kinds of things in the Bible that we got to look at and pay attention and say, wait, what's being said here? Because I, I would, I've been told my whole life that the gospel was Jesus Christ. It was good news for all men. And yet Paul writes to the church of Philippi and says, uh, 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 Daniel sin. Stand up. Wax on. Wax off. You got to be in the game. I guess you should say you got to be in the fight if you're going to do a Karate Kid reference, right? Apparently, we're part of the gospel. We're partners in the gospel. Well, Scott, he still did it all. We just get to participate now. We're not responsible. We don't get credit for it, but we have job duties now. Okay. Let's hold on to that. We'll keep it as a little bit of a question mark, and then we'll, we'll dump out some more verses here in a minute, and we're going to prove it. Okay? Uh, verse 6, and I'm sure of this. 
Then he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. Hmm. Has Jesus begun a work in you? That's a little bit of a rough question. I have met many people. How many? Too many. Who said, you know, Jesus, me, I don't, I want to feel him. I'm not sure he's changed me. I feel like I'm stuck in some of the same things I've always been stuck in. Okay. Those are fair feelings. Well, Paul's making a fact statement, a thought, not a feeling. Paul says, I think God has begun a work in you, whether you feel it or not. Here's part of your job description. Figure out what is the work that he's begun in you. Buy the gloves if that job requires gloves. Get some training if that work that he's begun in you requires a little training. Get up early or stay up late or figure out what he's doing with you and get involved in it. Because apparently he has not just asked you to partner in the gospel, he said, I'm going to work on you too. That's pretty cool. Because for a long time, I thought, well, this is it. Like when I was born and uh, I'm going to grow, but that's, I mean, what I was born with and what I was born like, that's what I'm stuck with. Does this imply that God could improve on the original model? Like Scott 1.0 could become Scott 2.0? And isn't, what's the Apple phone up to like version 13 or something like that? I want to be Scott 14 XLSE Turbo. That's what I want to be. Um, what does completion of that work look like? Maybe you start in one place, you end up in another, and the road you travel, what would you get to see? If we're working on the gospel and he's working on us, sounds like there's a future. It's very confusing for me because I heard that when Jesus died on the cross, that's just so that I could go to heaven when I died. My little fire insurance policy, sin insurance. I know I'm a sinner. Jesus, forgive me. Be my Lord and Savior. The cheapest form of the gospel. Or maybe we say it this way, the first step of the gospel. That pretty much applies to the day I say it and then the day I die. What about everything in between? Apparently God's got work he's doing and he wants to complete it, which means you win. Is he going to complete it? Okay. There's two ways to complete something. There's the fun, good way, easy way, cooperative way. And then there's the starts with H, ends with Ard way. Or you can learn the hard way. I was in Little Rock, Arkansas. The sky was falling at the church where I was working. My boss had already been fired. I just could not figure out. I was just spinning. 
I used to joke, God's talking, but I have no idea what he's saying. And I bump into the executive pastor and I said, Ken, um, how about you and me lunch? He said, oh, absolutely, for sure. Big smile on face, easy, easy guy to get along with, right? We go out to lunch, he's like, what's up? I said to him, I said, you think, think people learn things the hard way? Is like that the way people learn things? Never forget this. Ken Dean sitting in the car. We're not even to the restaurant yet. He said, Scott, that's the only way they learn. Now, I said in a kind of a southern kind of way, as southerners would do. Is it possible to learn things the easy way? All things are possible. Say yes. Okay, good. Um, so how about we figure out how we learn this good work he's doing in us and what completion looks like. And rather than fight it, let's jump in. Both feet, two hands on the rope, start pulling. Because uh, he's going to bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Ooh. Is that the final exam? You know, the eight ladies that helped us get in here and get started, we told the story a little bit, um, last week and last Sunday night, uh, one of them used to say, uh, I, I come to Bible study every Wednesday midday. My relative that drops me off says, why do you keep going? Haven't you learned it all yet? She's in her 90s. She says, well, of course I've learned a lot, but I'm, I'm cramming for the final. <laughs> Love that. Um, when does completion happen? At the day of Christ. What was just said there? When will you be complete in this life? Say never. It's a process. It's an ongoing process. Rather than a solve, it's a manage. And we keep working on it. Life changes. Different scenarios come up. Different relationships begin or end. Change. But we're working on this good work, and we're trusting that in the end, when it's over, Christ will complete us. At the final exam, I'm kind of curious if it's really not our final exam, as it's much as it's his final exam. And we are all going to stand back and go, wow, he got 100%. Pretty cool. Um, this take the pressure off? If you're never going to be completed till the day of Christ, didn't we just release some pressure from you? You walk around a little, a little lighter, right? Um, you know, the Bible says, fear not, many, many places. Why is that? Who's in control? Jesus is in control, but we're in a partnership with him. Amen? Let's find out a little more. Uh, it is right for me to feel this way about you. How does he feel about him, right? Because I hold you in my heart. He cares about him. For you are all partakers with me of grace. Now, I've heard grace twice. That's definitely part of our job description now as saints. And now we have this partakers word. I thought we were partners. Paul confused. Just found another way to say the same exact thing, hasn't he? 
We're partners and partakers in this thing called grace. I bet you grace is a major variable in that work he started in us. Us figuring out what is grace. The full extent. How do I receive it? How do I give it? How do I recognize it? How do I tell it from something else? And then watch this. Both in my imprisonment and in the defense of the confirmation of the gospel. Wait a minute, he's in prison? One of the greatest things about this letter, folks, is Jesus Christ and God the Father and the Holy Spirit and all those things, right? One of the other great things about this, he writes it from jail. He writes all this stuff from jail about other people caring for them. In fact, you're never going to see anywhere in the letter him talk about, help me. It's all outward focused. What a great example. And look at this. In my heart, I care. Hey, we've got a job description. We're working with the gospel. He's going to complete it in us. And he does that way. He says, while I'm imprisoned. He says, and in the defense and confirmation of the, of the gospel. There's something about being imprisoned for what he's doing that is actually confirming his partnership. Whoa. When it's easy, it's easy to be a Christian, right? Thanksgiving dinner, table set with all the stuff, everybody you likes there, the, the grumpy relatives couldn't make it, right? Desserts in the other room, still warm. You're sitting down, holding hands. Is that a good time to say grace? Sure is. Pretty easy. How hard is it when it's hard? How hard is it to say grace when it's hard? I'll be honest, folks, there's nights I can't say grace. Honey, Julie, would you say it? John, Cyrus, Marissa, somebody, anyone? Who are you? You came in with one of the kids. Can you say grace? Whatever. There's times where it's hard when I've never been imprisoned, but I feel like my life's been jailed sometimes, loss of relationship, a death, a divorce, illness, whatever it is. I don't want to pray to him. I want to yell at him. We yell at each other, by the way. I've, I've mentioned this from time to time. Me and God, we have that kind of relationship. Grew up in sports my whole life. I had coaches yelling at me my whole life. He's my coach. I'm used to it. And there's times where I feel like I want to yell back. And I've kind of done that to coaches in the past. Right? How great is it that Paul, is he, is he fighting with anybody? Is he yelling at anyone? It's hard, and he's making it look easy. Ooh, I'm going to slap that on your job description. When it's hard, we need, to make it, we need to make it look easy. Our partnership in the gospel, our pursuit of Christ, our following in his footsteps, our upholding of his principles. How can we make it easy when it, how can we make it look easy when it's actually hard? Here's the weird thing I've found. In the few times that I've done this, when it was genuinely hard and I tried to make it look easy, guess what happened to the hard part? It started to get easier. 
like, whoa, weird. Because I always thought that hard trumped easy, difficult trumped easy. I'm starting to rethink that, and I'm having fun doing it. If I can be positive, if I can make things look easy, if I can follow Christ, regardless of what the situation looks like, this is Paul in prison, uh, maybe I can keep making progress on this good work he's doing in me. I can get closer to seeing what completion looks like. Whoa. Verse 8. For God is my witness. Stop right there. Just go back, Katie, please. For God is my witness. Who's your witness? I just, we got to stop there because y'all have too many witnesses. I would love to live my life in such a way where there's only one person I call to the stand. Your Honor, I just have one witness this evening. My Lord Jesus Christ. Whatever he says, we're going with that. Isn't some of the accent fun? For God is my witness. You heard that phrase before? People throw it around like it's an old plastic wrapper. What was it originally meant to mean? What's Paul saying here? Right? Read the Bible with your brain. He's the only one who can testify. No one else is a credible witness. Did you hear what so-and-so said about me? Was it true? <gasps> How could you assume that that was true? They said, did it? Are they a credible witness? Is it true? No? And no? Oh, who is a credible witness and what do they know about the truth? Love that little five-word phrase right there. For God is my witness. Isn't that freeing? Sure is. Er, it's real dangerous. <laughs> Whoops. Could be, could be both, right? Uh, all right, Katie, thank you for indulging me. Uh, for God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the effect, there's y'all again, sorry, uh, with the affection of Christ Jesus. You just got another job description as a saint. You're to emulate, adopt, take on, practice, example, the affection of Christ Jesus. You heard their, their phrase, the heart of God? How often do you bring heart of God to your environment? Let's go back to that imprisonment thing. If following Christ were illegal... Would there be enough evidence to jail you? I would love to be able to walk into a room and, and have somebody say, man, Scott was so nice to me. He must be following Christ. And then have somebody come in and arrest me. That'd be kind of funny, right? It's a bad comedy show that I'll never produce, okay? But that idea that you could be so affectionate the way God is towards people, and I don't mean kissing them and being inappropriate. Genuine care. We have to do that for the teenage boys that might be watching online or later or something like that, okay? Um, genuinely care about people enough that, that it makes a tangible difference in those people. 
He says, God is my witness. This is what I'm trying to do. Verse 9, and it is my prayer that you may, your love may abound, what? More and more. How good are you at love? Are you getting better? Oh, gosh, God, I thought I was doing pretty well. You were. Best in your life. Room for improvement? Oh, good. Sorry, I'll, I'll let you know during the interactive portions of the morning in the future. Um, more and more. Job description is to love. He prays, by the way. We, we already covered that one. But watch this. How do you do love more and more? I love when they explain themselves. It drives me nuts when I get devotional verses, but they don't tell me how to do it. Right? You need to be born again. Sweet. How do I do that? Check in the hospital? What do you mean? Um, we do love more and more with knowledge and all discernment. Information, and then how do you use that information? Discernment might also be um, uh, superimposed with wisdom there. How do I use wisdom with the information that I have to be loving? Whoa, did we just connect heart and head? We did. Were they meant to be separated? Guess who separated them? Modern Western culture. Uh, Jewish culture, to this day, they don't really separate the two. You're, you're a soul. You're a being. You're whole. We never carbon-part-mentalize. Okay? We've, we've taken the Industrial Revolution, we've tried to apply it to our personas. Super dangerous. Uh, with all knowledge and discernment, so that, here's why we do this, this is why we love more and more with our brains also, not just our hearts, so that you may approve what is excellent. Scott, I really don't know what to do. Sweet, what's, what's the best thing to do? Well, I think it's this. Okay, do that. Well, how do I know? Think about it, pray about it, use some discernment, and test it, right? The Bible says test the spirits and hold on to what is good. But we need to be looking for excellent, right? It's not enough to say you're a Christian and say, I have a commitment to excellence, and then be poor, incapable for two decades, and then go to another town because it didn't work in Oakland. Right? Isn't that the Oakland Raiders? Commitment to excellence? What? Have we seen any? We apparently can't even get your emails right. I mean, sad. We, if, we're, if we're doing excellent, then we need to do excellent. And so, be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. There's, there's, um, there's a good work he's going to bring to completion in us in the day of Christ. There's also a preparation that we're chasing. It's a preparation of heart and head. So that we know what excellence is and we can try to walk what is pure, what is blameless. And, and I'm, I want to give you amazing permission this morning. Okay? Pretty much, most of the time, when you hear something, 
see something, experience something. You and the Holy Spirit within you know. You know is this good or not so much. You know if you're settling for a little while and I'll find excellent later. You know if it's downright off the track and you don't care. I'll be good later. Right now I'm going to indulge myself. You're practicing the wrong thing. Practicing the wrong thing. We want to be blameless for the day of Christ. Verse 11. What does that look like? It's, it's called being filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Um, how does this happen? This fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ? That's your everyday ongoing commitment of pursuing him, making decisions that honor him, worshiping, protecting your heart and your mind, and chasing what your job description looks like. How do I love more and more? How do I take on the affections of Christ? How do I participate in the gospel? How could I do that today? And at the end of the day, could I be convicted if Christianity was a sin? And I do it to the point where it glorifies and praises God. Verse 12. Uh, I want you to know, brothers, that what's happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. What's happened to him? He's in jail. And what does he say? It's really cold. The cuffs hurt. I, I'm, I'm chafing. Food's really bad. The restrooms don't work so well. You talking about any of that? Not a, not a peep. He's not even talking about how he's doing. Unless he's a partner and partaker in the gospel, and then he's absolutely talking about how he's doing because he knows that what he's doing advances the gospel. Whoa. And it's advanced to the gospel in such a way that verse 18, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard, not just some of the imperial guard. Sounds like Paul, doesn't it? the whole imperial guard, and to all the rest that my imprisonment is. Man, you can answer that or finish that sentence so many different ways. My imprisonment is, man, there's so many ways that you can answer that. And he says, for Christ. That's why I'm here? Why are you here? Move my family five states away to the belt buckle of the Bible belt, the deep south of Little Rock, Arkansas. Here's my little family of five, all good Californians in all our obliviousness. We're walking through church one day, and this guy comes up to me, just a tad older than me. Y'all the family from California? Y'all move your family all the way out here from California? Yeah. Why? There's a bunch of assumptions that you can make. If he's walking through a church and recognizes me, 
and already knows that my family came out here from California. He knows who I am. He knows I'm a pastor at the church now. Why am I here? That wasn't what he's asking. He never clarified. Southerners don't always, seldom do, totally clarify what they're getting at. Right? They beat around the bush. They come through the back door, kind of how they communicate. Innuendo and the whole thing. But it's a great question. Why are you here? Make money? Be popular? Be important? Have kids? Live vicariously through them? No. Paul says, uh, here's why I'm here. For Christ. Uh, he says it um, another way in 1 Corinthians. He says, for the love of Christ controls us. Man, great phrase. And most of the brothers, verse 14, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Remember I said the Bible says, no, fear not. See the last two words there, without fear. He's lived and set an example, and he's telling the church in Philippi, look what's happened when you do this. When you know your job description, you follow Christ, and you do it for Christ, other people will see to the point where they can, what's the phrase? Get out your outline. What's it say at the top? It says uh, Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 through 14, and then underneath that it says what? Becoming confident. Some people look at that online and they say, oh, Rock Bible Church did a thing on becoming confident. I want to be more confident. I'm going to watch, listen to that. A little bit uh, bait and switch. The word I get, becoming confident. He's done this with the brothers so much that they have become confident in the Lord. Where does confidence only happen? True confidence only happens in the Lord, and it only happens when you're doing your job description, which you are, what's your job? You're a, you're a saint, okay? And when you're doing that, you can become confident in who you are and what the work he's doing in you is, that it will, confident that it will be completed, confident that others can be affected, confident that your heart can change, your head can be part of it. In fact, they could be enmeshed. You can make progress on several fronts. Paul says, okay, church, go, do that. Isn't that easy? No, it ain't easy. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Amen? Let's look, um, as we're going into these uh, fill-ins and, and such little phrases that I come up with each week, um, let, let's be reminded, um, Paul's dead clear, even in prison, that salvation and partnership with the gospel is much more than just the day of Christ and when we stand before the Father for judgment or forgiveness or whatever it is. Right? Which, by the way, uh, as Christians, we don't stand before the Father for judgment. We stand before the Father for 
forgiveness. We'll leave judgment to the ones that are in trouble. Right? But Paul says we're, we're in this for much more beyond that future thing. Paul's trying to make the argument between now and that future event. What's a present look like? How do I handle it today? What should I be thinking about for the next several years and, and whatnot? How do I measure the last few years? Uh, you sang it this morning. You know this? You sang it this morning. God of my... God of my present... God of my future. He writes a story. When? When does he write the story? He wrote it back there at the gospel, at the cross. And he, he wrote it about the future when you die and go to heaven. Do you write, are there any middle chapters? Is there chapter one and then there's chapter, let's call it 77, 777. Let's do that. Okay, that's the last chapter. What about all the chapters in between? Is he writing those? That's what, that's what Paul is making the argument about. He says, that's why you're saints, because you're part of this deal. And, and here's what I want you to do for the, outline, for the purposes of the outline. When it comes, when it says to becoming confident, I want you to put an ellipsis right after it. What's an ellipsis, Scott? That's the three dots that meant the phrase is far from over. Becoming confident, dot, dot, dot. And then we're going to fill in, because they're meant to be the beginning of these three phrases, okay? Becoming confident he is working in you to an eventual completion. Part of our confidence that we want to start working on is this idea that uh, he's, he's working on something. Working on it right now. He's going to work on it tomorrow. He worked on it last week. In fact, he was working on it before you have recollection, giving you experience and people that cared for you and putting you in classrooms with certain types of teachers and giving you talents and gifts and interests, experiences to where he's going to use it later. What do you mean I got to take Spanish? I'm in high school. I play soccer. I like sports. Can't you just take an extra PE class? I mean, that for me, heaven in heaven, there's extra PE classes. I'm not 100% sure on that. But I'm in high school, and my parents are like, oh, no, you're, you're taking Spanish. That's what I do when they say, don't say anything about it. I said, all right, I won't say anything. Right? Um, uh, three and a half years of Spanish. Castro Valley High. Thank you, Senorita Lion. Now, for 20 years, I've been building homes in Mexico. Go figure. Y puedo hablar un poco bien. Enough to get in trouble. Right? Um, was he working on me? Yeah. Am I completed? Don't answer that. Because you'll all be yelling, no, oh my gosh, no. Here's the problem. You can say it as loud as you want, and it'd be really funny, and I'm totally fine with it. Because I am, I am beginning to enjoy the ride as much as the destination. Ooh, write that one down. Are you enjoying the ride 
as much as the destination. The destination is it's heaven, pearly gates, streets of gold, banqueting table. I mean, he had me right there. You can keep your streets and your gates and uh, like stuff flying around with halos. I don't care. There's a banquet table. Dude, I'm in. Uh, they're serving tacos, by the way. It might be the guy that was Sunday night. He was awesome. Amen? Shout out to your taco guy. That was his name. Name of his business, your taco guy. I said, yes, yes, you are. <laughs> um, so becoming confident he is working in you to an eventual end, that's um, one. Number two, becoming confident more and more, it means we're working on it, more and more, we're, no matter how good we are, we're getting better at, uh, in love, knowledge, and discernment. That's pretty much the verse nine verbatim, just reworded. And I know those are opposite, verbatim and reworded. No English teachers, please. Um, is, he, is he doing more and more? How, how well are you coordinating head and heart? What do you feel good about? What do you resist? When you resist, is it your head that's pushing the resistance or is it your heart that's pushing the resistance? If you want to do the work, these are fun questions. This is, it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment. Amen. Uh, and then lastly, uh, becoming confident in advancing the gospel. What, what is the gospel doing when you're around. You know, I, I came in, I thought I saw a gospel. When I walked in, it seemed like he ran out the back door. Um, you have any projects? you have any spiritual projects? Things you're working on that get the gospel out? I think it's so great that Jesus gets full credit for the cross. And then he says, all right, come play with me. I'm going to help you share that with other people. I'm going to help you compel others to me. I'm going to give you some talents. I'm going to give you some resources. I'm going to give you some experiences. Now, uh, jump out on the field. You're going to muck it up. And me, Peter, and, and James, and John, we're going to laugh. We're going to watch. We're going to create a highlight clip. Um, and then when you come up here, I'm going to take the final exam for you. I'm going to get 100%, and we're going to laugh and watch the, the replay. Well, all joking aside, God, what, what's the point then for me? Try. Try to advance the gospel. We do it in our kids. We do it with the bus boy, the checkout lady. How about this one? The person driving in the lane next to you. Oh, oh that can't be true, Scott. 
the ex-boss, the current boss. How about the future boss? Have you ever thought about it this way? That person could be your future boss. What? I would never work for them. I would never get a chance to work for them. It would never, ever even make sense that I would work for them. And then they call you and say, I got a new job. Will you come work for me? Weird. It's happened to me twice in my lifetime. Lee Towns calls me from Arkansas. I got a new job. Will you come work for me? <gasps> what? Hang up the phone. James Fulweiler, Dublin United Soccer League, calls me up. I got a new job. Will you come work for me? Whoa. Great experiences. Here's the question. Why'd they call me? Well, there's nobody else. They looked at all the applications, over 200 resumes. They didn't like any of them, and you were their last choice, Scott. That's true for James, literally. There was something about my interactions with Lee prior to that phone call and my interaction with James prior to that phone call that they said, hey, maybe I'll call Scott. Worst decision they made. But it's gone really well in a lot of different ways. You have opportunities. Take advantage of them. You have a job description. You're a saint of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Crucified, resurrected, and capable of everything. So what do we want to do with it? Amen? Lord, thanks for this morning. Uh, help us to ask that question, Lord. What do you want us to do? with where you placed us. You're responsible for where we are. You're responsible for who we are. You're responsible for sustaining us, saving us. Pray, Lord, then, that you would show us what do we do with that grace? How do we walk, talk, plan? Thank you, Lord, for what your son did for us and that it was more than just that day and future salvation, but it was every day in between. I pray, Lord, you would help us to live like it. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. May you grow in confidence with him. Amen. Go with him.